Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, for your quintessential listening poetry pleasure, I am delighted to welcome Katarina Bush to the program. Katarina is a published poet, author, mentor, and valuable resource for poetry. She's been published in many journals and magazines. Award recognition has been bestowed upon her works. Furthermore, she is a journalist and has worked with TV stations, radio stations, and newspapers to cover various events. In addition, she's one of the administrators of the Facebook Poetry Society, which I believe is one of Facebook's best poetry groups. Over 85,000 people are members of the group. Everyone, let's welcome Katerina to the podcast. Good evening, Katerina. Hi, how are you doing? I'm quite well in yourself. Oh, I can't complain. All right. <laughs> well, let's begin this poetic journey. Are you All ready? Right. All right. All right. Tell ready. me, Katerina, what is poetry? I believe that poetry can be unique and defined by each individual themselves. Personally, there's a quote that I am very fond of um, by Greg Bear. I'm not sure if you um, are familiar with him or not, but um, I would like to read that quote to you if you've got a moment. Yes. He said, once poets were magicians, poets were strong, stronger than warriors or kings, stronger than old hapless gods, and they will be strong once again. Greg Bear. Wow. Would you read that one more time for me, please? Absolutely. Once poets were magicians, poets were strong, stronger than warriors or kings, stronger than old hapless gods, and they will be strong once again. Mm. All right. By Greg Bear. All right. Tell me more about what is poetry. Poetry, I personally, Mm -hmm. I find it not only a way to express various emotions or thoughts, Mm -hmm. but I also see it as a way to help understand the world around us. I find that the metaphors, for example, like when the sun rises, Mm -hmm. I start thinking about the actual philosophical side of why the sun rises. Or like the sun will be out tomorrow, right? So I look at it and I'm thinking, you know, that's something that we know. We foreknow that before it happens. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding that we can gain just by analyzing poetry that was already here and poetry that we write. Hmm. Poetry that's already here? And poetry that we can write. Exactly. Something about that. Like, that, 
That stands out to me for some reason. I don't know. I like that. I like that phrase. Tell me more about it. I, I well, um, I am a, my poetry. I like to keep things traditional, but it's because I was inspired some time ago. I used to always read a lot of Shakespeare and um, John Dune and just various, you know, Emily Dickinson and mm-hmm. Frost. And, you know, I've got a special place for all of these these poets. Um, Longfellow, you know, and so I, I feel like a tradition that's kind of within their poetry, the way that they wrote, um, I find it to be, in my opinion, I find it to be very um, superior, you know, it's right. a superior way of talking and articulating. Um, I find that they were very gifted with it. So mm-hmm. I, I read through, you know, so much of their work. And then, you know, I kind of like keeping the way I describe it is, um, for example, we get a, a last name that gets handed down to us, right? And we keep using yes. our father's last name. So it kind mm-hmm. of like maintains something. So to me, when I write my poetry, I do my best to maintain, like, the the tradition, the authenticity to try to, you know, not necessarily mimic them, but in a way to keep that, um, to keep a hold of that value that they gave to poetry. All right. All right. Well, when you think about poetry, knowing all that you know about it, the genre, why is it important? I think it's extremely important, to be honest. Like, I would honestly mm-hmm. rate poetry as one of the most top things that any intellectual person could ever get into. I could see it as a way to, is a form of encryption. Um, you know, like when you code messages, I can see it as a way of divination. So if you like to, you know, try to get, um, like, Freud, Sigmund Freud, he had talked about, you know, um, writing techniques where you just kind of let your your mind like just write whatever it wants and so Mm -hmm. i see poetry as a way of like tapping into that unconscious mind also so in a way you can kind of start doing the it was called automatic writing is what he termed it and so if i start writing out poetry things will start coming to me you know what i mean and i wait for it to kind of sometimes Mm -hmm. it's you know it's not really much of a go other times it's phenomenal, and I'm like, whoa, did I just write that, you know? Hmm. Um, and so I like to be able to draw that part of myself out that I wouldn't be able to see if I didn't take the time, you know what I mean, to, to yes. just set aside to work on it. Mm. You know, you've been published in a number of journals and magazines. What are the predominant themes of your work? What are the predominant themes? What do you write about? Um, I write about various things, to be honest with you. I do write mm-hmm. a lot about um, prophetic tendencies. I've been told by some that I remind them of, like, Emily Dickinson, mm-hmm. which has been a very big honor to me mm-hmm. um, to even be, you know, compared to somebody I, I feel is very, very great. Um I do a lot of philosophy. I read a lot of philosophy, and I, I really enjoy enjoy it. Um, sometimes I just write whatever comes to my mind, like whatever just kind of shows up. All right, all right. Please share a poem. 
Absolutely. I have just the one for the occasion. Uh, This one is called Awaken Not the Earth to a Life Beyond the Grave. I actually wrote this poem back when the Ukraine war had uh, started. It was around that time. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there thinking about it, but I wasn't sure, like, what to, like, really come to me or or whatnot. But what I started thinking about was I was thinking – because I'm a very blunt person in my life, generally speaking, and I know how it's, how it's like when, like, if issues or problems arise and, like, we go to people and we're like, you know, are you going to fix this or we need help or, you know, something kind of going on. And, like, sometimes people just don't really seem to care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yes. then some people get really frustrated and kind of upset, and they're like, nobody seems to care. You know, so what I did is I actually kind of, in the, my mind, I've written this one as an, oh, woe is me, and why should I care? So kind of like flipping the perspective around. Mm -hmm. But I've had a lot of feedback. People have really loved this. And it it kind of makes you sympathize with those people that just don't really, you know, that just don't have the time, that just can't or they're not able to help. You know what I mean? So it kind of gives you that sympathy. Yeah. So this one's Awaken at the Earth to a life beyond the grave. Awaken not the earth and roars, let it sleep today. For even when it sleeps and snores, I beg you not to stay. Awaken not the earth from slumber, for its tiresome thoughts live on. In a dream that we must remember is not to be tread upon. Awaken not the earth and war, for surely we are asleep. Lest by chance both near and far be counted as woolly sheep. Awaken up the earth today, for here we lie back down to this earth where we will decay and soon be beneath the ground. Hmm. Awaken up the earth, I say, for days and years go on, where we must live and obey the laws that are said to govern. Awaken up my soul from slumber, nor my body that carries it here, though my thoughts seem to censor and to my life adhere. Awaken up my weary soul from slumber, for night befalls me daily. As my days be short in number and life itself in enmity. Awaken up the earth, I said, on this very day, for we are tired, our souls are dead to a life that's beyond the grave. End the poem. Wow. That was very powerful. Extremely powerful. Thank you. Tell me about an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. I think I always thought that it had a lot of power. Um, mm-hmm. I recall writing poetry back, gosh, I was probably about 16 years old. And I know that I um, started writing, you know, cause my, I had a father at the, when I was very young, and, and it was just kind of a messy childhood sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I found it as a way to kind of express myself through poetry. So like if I had, you know, feelings that I was still upset with him or you know, for him not being around as much. Um, So I would just write creative poems. And actually, I have one that I saved from when I was 16 years old. It's one of my first poems I ever wrote. And it was (laughs) published. Do you have it tonight? I remember it. I remember (laughs) it word from word. All right, I want to hear it. And I finally wrote it. And I published it. um, It actually appeared in the Screech Dowell December of 2006. 14. Yeah, this is an original. I was 16 years old. 
Please you share it. Hear it now? <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. It's all called right. Screams and Yells Are All I Hear, for I know he's had one too many beers. The shouts are coming from the kitchen, but all I can hear is him bitching. I am only at the age of three, and how I wish this wasn't me. I enter slowly down the stairs. Everyone hears, but no one cares. I see him lying on top of my mom. His face looks like it's about to explode like a bomb. He shouts, she's dead, with his face beat red, then turns and yells, get off to bed. I run up the stairs as fast as I can, and all I can think is what an awful old man. I hear my brother and sister crying, is our mommy dying? I tell them that everything is all right as I give each of them a kiss goodnight. Wow. Is poetry, Katarina, building a wall or letting your guard down? I think it can be both. I think okay. both ways. Like, I find it very relatable. Like, even that poem is a little, mm-hmm. like, it touches people, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes. a lot of people have had those struggles. They've mm-hmm. had, they know those struggles. They've, they've lived those hard lives. So I find it very relatable when, when people are like, I can talk to you because you've been there. You know, your life wasn't easy either. And I like mm-hmm. to be, like, a mentor to troubled teenagers. It's one of my big community projects pretty much because I did grow up hard and I and I got out and I worked my tail end off and I became yes. you know I worked in law enforcement I worked in nursing so I want mm-hmm. them to see that there's light at the end of the tunnel you know that, right. that you don't have to be defined by your circumstances and your environment you mm-hmm. can you know just because your parents may make bad choices it doesn't mean that you are the problem you know what I mean mm-hmm. yes. and so I, I like coming out, you know, with that to some extent, because it's like, you know, maybe people need to hear it and just know that, you know, I do understand where you're coming from, you know? And mm-hmm. so in that event, you know, sometimes I do that. Other times, you know, I, I write poems and I guess I leave it up to the, the reader themselves to decide yes. what they, they want it to be or what they want or what they think it means, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I'm wondering, based on your lived experiences, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? Um, like, I have written a couple mm-hmm. um, where I'm like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, I'm drawing yes. up a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's, you know, necessarily relatable or not, but, like, I can hit that where I'm going to cry. Like, that's, yes. like, tear jerking. Actually, I put one... Um, in a short story, kind of like writing, like mixing them sometimes, like poetry and my short stories. Mm-hmm. So I've written one last year that was actually published in a short story, and that one, it, it definitely yanked on me at the time that I wrote it. Do you want me to read that to you? I'd love it. Yes, of course. Okay. So the story that it was published in, was called, it's called uh, The Sun-Kissed Maiden, and it was published in The Wise Owl this last year. The poem out of it doesn't really have a name on it, um, Mm -hmm. just because it goes with the story, but I'll go ahead and read it to you. Oh, mystery, oh, wind, beasts of the wilderness and trees, darkness of these here disciplined time of hardened journeys. Lost of many come on through, sight they cannot find. A path I ask to now debut and to my feet you bind. 
For if the wind begins to blow towards me to the right, myself I am seen to go where it is still found bright. On my journey home I go, I greet the beast in wilderness. I myself lost, I know, just not to this here compass. Now, what the, the, the truth is, is going back to that relatable, remember I had a hard childhood, mm-hmm. wrote a mm-hmm. poems on it. Think about it when I'm in my introduction of it. Beasts of the wilderness and trees, darkness of these here disciplined time of hardened journeys. I'm basically addressing hard times. You know how some people fail to kind of um, to stop a cycle, right? Like if they mm-hmm. were hurt, but they hurt other people. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's kind of a cryptic message, but basically kind of addressed to them. You know what I mean? Like if somebody's kind of lost going through here, you know, it's like I'm going to greet you. I see mm-hmm. you. I understand you. But I'm going to go on my way because I have, you know, I need to stay on my path. Do you see what I mean? Yes, and I do. Trying to back down and let, her, and let her go on her way. Does poetry humble or frighten you? Um, I I would say probably closer to humble would okay. be a good word. Mm-hmm. But what I I just, I see, like, I'll give you an example. I see a lot of answers. I -hmm. see a lot of answers. Like, when I open up old, old literature, and it took me, when I first started reading, like, some of Shakespeare and Dune and, you know, some of these poems, it it would take me a long time to kind of, like, really grasp it. I'd have to go back and read it again and again and again before I finally really started to, like, understand it. And that's Mm -hmm. why I encourage people, like, if you don't understand it the first time, it's okay, you know. Go back. Don't don't feel, you know, like you have to know everything right away. You know, give mm-hmm. it time and reread it without feeling, you know, intimidated by it. Uh, and that's what I would do is I would go and I would just sit there and read. And then I would read again. And I felt like there's a lot of answers just like all over. You know, like mm-hmm. I started to find when I finally started to see, I could like see answers from poetry, philosophy, like, just so many different things, you know, and it was pretty amazing. Like, I just felt like my eyes were, like, really open to just nature and just a lot of things. All right, all right. You know, before I ask you to share another poem, what I'd like to know is that the piece that you shared when you were 16, how has your message changed in your work? Um, With my poetry, well, I definitely progressed over the years. I didn't go back to writing poetry from when I was like 16. I did, you know, as much as I could. And then I stopped writing poetry until about the age of 29. Did you? And so, yeah, so I didn't really, because I didn't know what to really do. I wanted to publish poems um, at one point, but when I tried to figure out how to publish them, that's where I was like, you know, meeting some of those, like, uh, predatory um, publishers. Yes. They're like, well, if you give me money, you know, we'll buy. So I didn't know how to do, like, the traditional poetry, and I was really young at the time. And I was like, mm-hmm. that sounds like a scam. I didn't really understand it, so I thought it was, like, really hard to do it. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I was 29. And I'll tell you what I actually did the first time I actually got published. I had no idea what I was doing. So I'd written up a poem that I really wanted published, and I just, like, looked for publishers for 
for poems, but I didn't know how to like do the submissions or anything. Found all these emails, so I mass sent out my poem. I sent it to like every publisher there was, and there was like a million rejections because they're like, we're like we publish about you know water, you know what I mean? And then I finally worked. I finally figured it out. That's why I mentor in poetry now because Mm -hmm. I've realized like it took me some time to figure out how to actually publish. And that's like half the battle, writing up the cover letter, following mm-hmm. submission guidelines. Like that took me, a, you know, a couple of minutes before I could figure that alone out. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, even my friends, they're like, I don't know how to become a published but So I've, I've realized that that's kind of a difficulty. But now that I understand how to do it, you know, I, I publish all the time. But um, I But I see that that's kind of a barrier that where good people might have good poetry, but they're too scared or they don't know how to find ways to po- uh, publish their poems. So that's one thing I do as a mentor with a Facebook Poetry Society is I mm-hmm. help people write write cover letters. I help them read the submission guidelines. I help put them at ease with how to submit their poetry just because I know that that would save them some time. Like if I can save people some time from, you know, that or or feeling like, oh, I got rejected, so I'll never do it again, I don't want people to feel that way because there's definitely like the end of the tunnel. And I even write traditional poems. And, like, a lot of the uh, publishers have moved more towards, like, a prose preference where they're just like, I don't really like the, you know. And I mm-hmm. still get published. Like, I still find lots of publishers. And I'm like, you know, stay true to yourself. You know, write what you feel is, is your, you know, your best. Don't let me you. I've been rejected many times also. But I've also found many, many publishers. So sometimes it's just not the right publishers. So sometimes you just got to find somebody else. Um, and so that's some of the things I do with my, my mentorship. Um, and I've mentored several people so far with a, a mentorship program with the Facebook Poetry Society. I feel like I've made a lot of progress. I've seen yes. some of them get published and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's really good to know that. You know, it's funny. I've done a lot from a poetic perspective, but publishing has not been one of those things. And I think it's just based on fear. When I pick up poets and writers, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to put together a cover letter. What is that? How do I share with someone what I'm thinking and what I thought when I wrote that piece? So maybe we can have a conversation later. <laughs> maybe I can join your mentoring group. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have no problem. Like, I know. Like, And sometimes it's just the right – because people get scared of rejection. Yes. And, well, and I don't like it. Like, like, <laughs> You know, you get an editor, and some of the editors are mean. Like, they're not even nice. Like, they'll send you a rejection letter, and it's like, this was cringeworthy, you know? So it's like, okay, well, I guess I won't be coming back to you. So I put them on a list of a band list, and where they go? <laughs> Please share a poem. <laughs> so my next poem is called Mystery and Wind. Now, this one is the one that won second place. Um, in 2022 for the League of Innovation Creative Writing Contest for Delta College. Um, Whispers of the wind rustling through the air. Mystery had grinned at the secrets they'd share. Then wind called to mystery and mystery replied, sing a song that's breezy, one where I can hide. Wind then began to blow from the east into the west, Breezes felt in the wind did show, riddles that they'd guessed. Winds then began to call the mystery, oh, but once again, this time much more fiercely asking for its friend. 
Mystery then responded and said, this time I'll hide you. Go and when prompted, shake whatever I threw. Wind did as Mystery asked and began to shake. Things not grounded while it's tasked, Mystery would overtake. Mm. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, that <laughs> one's one second place. I didn't get first place. I'm going to go for first right. place next year, I'm hoping. Yes, that's all right. That's all right. Before we continue, I'd like to commend you for the work that you do in terms of mentoring. In many instances, people don't want to do that. They don't have they don't have time to do it. So I commend you for that. I really do. Thank you. Well, like so I said, I, I see things and I know. Like I've seen my friends even. They're like, I can't believe you're a published poet, you know. And they're like, I've been writing since I was 16. So I, I just see that maybe they just need that help on, on how to find publishers, how to read the guidelines, how to put together a cover letter. And that's like half the battle. Like mm-hmm. literally writing the poetry is not a problem. But writing a cover letter and then each publisher can have different guidelines. So that's yes. like where half your time goes into it, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, all great writers, and I'm going to include you in that list, have great writing influences. Who are some of yours? What makes them special or great in your eyes? Um, For writers, there's a lot, actually. All right. All um, right. But I'll be honest with you, my preferences, my preference for, because I'm actually an avid reader, but my preferences for reading would be the works of Plato, for example. Oh, oh really? Oh, yes. all right. I I've got to hear about Aristotle, this. Go ahead. <laughs> Aristotle, um, Plato, I like to think, and I love reading, you know, the ancient and older, um, you know, authors, uh, Hesiod and Ovid, um all of them, you know, like anything that's kind of like the old school stuff is what I really have my preferences on. And um, War and Peace, that's another one I say. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like I, I love reading. I know. I actually was watching Jeopardy like not too long ago. It's <laughs> yes. so funny. And Leo Tolstoy was the guy that they were like, who is this? And like everybody seemed like something. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> because I like to read like all of these, you know, like the older and seemingly harder books, I guess, you know, but mm-hmm. that's where my mind likes to dwell. You know, like it likes to think, it likes to be challenged. And so I think that that's like sometimes part of my problem is, is like I, I want to be like, I want to get that challenge and, and draw it out of me, you know? Yes. You know, if Plato... Let's imagine for a moment, was your mentor? What is one thing that you'd like to learn from him? Poetically. Oh, I would love to learn everything. Oh, everything? I, I think he, uh, well, I, I sometimes joke that I went to the school of Socrates <laughs> because <laughs> I literally feel that connected. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you form mm-hmm. like a connection with like characters and, and stuff. And I feel that connected. Like, um, the school of Socrates, which is like basically, you know, a philosopher. And I just see so many different, you know, the, the way he words things. Um, I see like different perceptions. Like, actually, I'll tell you like the way I read it. Right. <laughs> you want to hear? Yes, so, of course. <laughs> you can share whatever so, you like. <laughs> so 
like when I read it, see a lot of people will go through and they'll read it and they'll see like different characters and they'll like have the dialogue, you know, and there'll be one person and then another person and another person talking. Me, when I read it, I see there's a meaning behind the name. And generally it's related to some sort of a psychological state. Sort of like if faith was personified or you see what I mean? Like a feeling or a thought. Um, you know how like we go and we call like father time, right? Saturn, yes. uh, mm-hmm. grandfather mm-hmm. clocks, right? And father time. So it was like the personification, just like my poem, right? Mystery and when you kind of personify them. Yes. Well, that's kind of how I read the, um, like a lot of the philosophical works because I see where is he'll be like, oh, I'm late. Um, but then, you know, he'll give some more dialogue. But what I see is like a hidden meaning behind it. I see like a psychological state of who he's talking to or what he's talking to. And that bears more, you know, importance than mm-hmm. just reading it. You see oh, what I wow. mean? Yes, I do. Oh, we're going to take a quick break. But... <laughs> but I'd like you to share one piece before we take this break. I've got to hear one more before we take a little break. All right. Um, so this one I published December 2014 in The Screeched Owl. It's called Serpent of Truth. Thrown to thy belly through dust I crawl, thrown to deception underneath it all. North, south, east, and west, having searched yet to find rest. Seek without ceasing, and ye shall find through the dust called confusion of thy mind. Pray in thy closet, which is thy head, to see yourself the one who's dead, a slave still chained and bound, yearning for freedom yet not found, fallen under a curse, a deep sleep, unable to awaken for beliefs I still keep, to open thine eyes and become wise, to know the fruit under to struggle this battle which is inside, to find an answer yet lies I find. Unable to accept, unable to renew, for many are called and chosen are few. Oh, wow. Now, here's a question I want you to think about during the break. Do you live your life like it's a poem? I'll be right um, back. <laughs> share, share you know, it after the break. Honestly, Let's take the break first. Let's take the break first. <laughs> When we come back from the break, <laughs> then All you right. can tell me. All right. <laughs> All right. <I'm> Katarina Bush. Katarina, do you live your life like it's a poem? That's a very interesting um, 
interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, to some respects, I would say, indeed, I do. Seriously? You're um, the first I'll, person to ever say yeah. that. Whoa, in, I want to hear this. Indeed, I do. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll explain it. It's because I find a lot of poetry, especially in the ancient, like I said, I like to dig through all of the old school stuff. They, mm-hmm. I, I find them to be very prophetic. And I find them to have like a lot of prophetic tendons. So sometimes I, I feel like, um, like I'll find things and then I'll see like where it could be like fulfilled in things, if that makes sense. It does. It's not always like what somebody would think, but I, I can find a way that would make it true or make it real. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I see poetry as a way, because like some of the poets did. You know, just like the original um, quote that I gave you from Greg there, Mm -hmm. poets were magicians. And so if you think about it, if poetry is a way of being a magician, wouldn't that have some prophetic tendencies? And if it does, wouldn't they become real? Couldn't they become real? And so that's how I see it. And I do, in fact, see it. It's just not always necessarily the way everybody would think of it, but Mm -hmm. I can see it with within my life, yeah. Wow, very nice. <laughs> like I said, you're the first out of 306 <laughs> to ever <Wow>. say yes. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm always not asking all 306 that question, but <laughs> I'm sure if I had, it would have been relatively few who <laughs> would make that statement. <laughs> you know, Katarina, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's nothing that you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing process? I'll be honest. Most of the time, I don't have to edit or edit much. Really? Um, but like wow. I said, I go, back, I go back to that automatic writing. Mm-hmm. So when I find the right word, that binds this is the way I look at it because I like to keep that tradition. Remember, yes. so the way I see it is like the rhyming ends, which I like to alternate them. Mm-hmm. I see them as binding because they become the same, like two becoming one. So as long as they're the same at the end, it binds them. Mm-hmm. So that's my kind of take. On it. So mind, bind, bead, create, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like yes. that. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, what, I forgot what I was saying about <laughs> What was the question? Okay. <laughs> we were talking about now, the so. process of editing. Editing, and you said you don't really edit mm. very much or need to edit Correct. very much. So when I go through, I'll let whatever comes to mind. Like, I'll write, like, maybe the first two sentences, and then and that's, like, my conscious mind. But then I let, like, my unconscious mind, right, pull up what will be the next two. So the first two is like my conscious mind, I lead, and then the last two are part of like the automatic writing, and like I let it decide, and sometimes it works, and I'll know, and I'm like, whoa, that's cool, and then other times I'm like, eh, I'm not, I don't have the, you know, the mindset right now, so it's just not working. Sometimes I'll mm-hmm. have to try to force it. It just kind of depends, you know, but mm-hmm. um, that's the way I go with it. And so when it comes, it comes. And and then I just you know I leave it as it is because I know right. that it's it's written right. Yeah. All right. Share another poem. All right. I uh, I've got the soothsayer's 
creed. <laughs> Truth shall guide my heart and mind. Tranquil thoughts I now find. In the midst of my noble deed, I now relinquish this here creed. Let the seasons and times now speak. Awaken my conscious mind to seek. With nature as my compass and tool, lend my intuition power to rule. Borrowed from a future time, let me speak in unquaith rhyme. For what's ahead and what's behind, let them unite in present time to find. The answer to which I've sought afore, come knocking upon my judgment's door. I clap my hands to find noise. I seek the sky to balance my poise. I bind these words to an immortal soul, for truth itself, sun shall show. I pray for wisdom's voice as I lift my head to now rejoice. With ears that hear from spirit's motion and eyes that unite towards this devotion, I whistle a tune that I shall know what's coming soon. You know, I've got to ask, you know, your work rhymes at the end, right? Uh-huh. I, and maybe we kind of talked about it earlier, but I just want to get into it a little bit. You know, I had always heard that if your work rhymed, that that was not truly accepted. But you said that you're published. I've been afraid yeah. to, to write, to, to submit my pieces, some of my early work, because they rhymed at the end. And I just thought that people viewed that as being less than in a sense. I don't know. Talk to me. Yeah, and, like, I was kind of, like I said, like, I've been rejected. Like, I've tried to get into some places, and I read, like, you know, some of the guidelines, like, what they'll accept or what they don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just don't care, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll send yes. it because I want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll just let them reject me if they want to. But I'd say more times than not, I've actually had more luck um, with them getting published. So I just, you know, I send them out, and then they – um, they do accept them. So, um, because sometimes they don't say whether they prefer it or they don't prefer it, you know, that's but, true. Mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what I would do is you start getting them published where, you know, wherever you want to try looking at. And then, you know, and then now, like now that I've published quite a few in a lot of different places, now I actually go through and, um, look at calls for poetry submissions and I try to publish with new publishers. Yes. Just to kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I asked you because I've, I've always wondered about that. So, and I didn't know who to ask, you know. So, thank you very much for answering me. Thank you very I'm much. I'm your person. <laughs> yes, you are. You know, so much has happened in our world, Katarina. The good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. What I want to know from you is, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society, what is our role? Well, um, I feel that we, I feel that we honestly have a lot of power behind okay. our words and our speech. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel it's, you know, when you look at the alphabet and letters and the way that they're arranged, like it, it's a big form of communication. So we use writing as a way to communicate with one another Sometimes we might even have trouble articulating what we want to say. Yes. Right? You ever find yourself in your time talk to somebody and you're like, boy, I'm really, I don't know what to say to you. So 
So I find poetry as a way that we can sometimes take what we're feeling, you know, and then turn it around, turn it into a poem, and it's out there. Or sometimes maybe you don't want everybody to know what's going on. So mm-hmm. you can still take those feelings, turn it into a poem, and, and release it to the world because it's sealed because not everybody knows exactly what and why it is. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. still kind of make sure that you know, you told people, but, you know, you didn't have to worry about being laughed at or you didn't have to um, – you know, worry about if people understood you or not, right. you know, so it, mm-hmm. it really gives you that freedom. Well, let's delve a little deeper. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and you may have just answered it, but I just want to just go a little deeper. How do you think poetry gives voice to the voiceless? Um, I think in a lot of ways, like for an example, Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a people watcher. Like, I, I'm right. very good at observations with a lot of people, and I like to, like, take note of things. Like, um, in psychology, there's a thing called, like, bystander effect where, like, a lot of crowds, like, if something's happening to a person, the chances of people stepping in or jumping in are very small. Like, and people are just generally, like, you're not afraid. Sometimes people are afraid to even submit a job application because they don't want that, they have that fear of rejection, you know. Mm-hmm. So as an observer where I can see this stuff, you know, or people that are afraid to, um, to do rhyming poetry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Um, and so sometimes we need, readers. we need people that can get out there and, and lead, you know, a little bit more. And I have a stronger spirit, and I've realized this throughout my life. I have a stronger spirit than what I've noticed amongst, you know, many of my fellow men. And so when I see these things, I sometimes am like, you know what, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And this mm-hmm. way they they can see it for themselves. And then they can, you know, get up and maybe, you know, find that strength. Like, okay, cool. I know somebody that publishes rhyming poetry, you know, mm-hmm. so they don't feel so dismayed. Oh, I see somebody that, um, you know, they struggled to write the cover letters and they, they struggled to get the, to figure out how to, you know, submit poems or they too had – you know, they find that relatable thing. And then I think that when you show them the way, that you show them it's possible, when you, you give that to them, you know, you're helping them find their own voice through you. Mm-hmm. hmm Wow. Assisting the voiceless find their voice, that's not always easy. Because we go through so many things that we don't want to talk about. You feel like it's, that your voice is, in some instances, gone forever. Hmm? Hmm. Please share with me the titles of five of your poems. Just five poems. Uh, the, all right. Uh, the Heart-Shaped Mirror. Mm-hmm. And To the Other Teach. All right. One-Worded Oracle. Okay. The Crow. Mm-hmm. Birds Flew in Such Emotion. All right, all right. The reason I ask, I'd like to know, what do you think, what is the role of the title? What does it play for a poem? 
You know, sometimes I don't I don't write titles until the very end. Okay. Um, of it, and sometimes what I actually do is I'll pull the last sentence of the poem, because sometimes I like to kind of like go out with a bang, bam. You know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. always try. So it doesn't always work, but I like for the last sentence to be the real thing. You know. And so that is the last sentence. I'll put it as the title, but that's not always the case. Sometimes if a, a poem isn't really well defined as much, mm-hmm. and maybe I feel like a lay person might need a little extra understanding, I'll instead kind of work in like a definition into the title. Mm-hmm. So that way it mm-hmm. kind of helps people understand kind of where I'm going with it. Yes. You know, so I, I just have different... Um, different ways, just depending, I guess, on my own interpretation or how I see it. Um, but I usually wait until the end um, before I do it. Do you talk to your poems? <laughs> um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Them, <laughs> All but, right. but what I do do is, like I said, I use the, like I said, like um, Sigmund Freud, he is psychoanalysis, but he does talk yes. a lot about the automatic writing. Mm-hmm. So I do talk, I guess, to myself kind of. You know, I, I listen to my yes. intuition, mm-hmm. and it helps me to write out the poems. Mm. Let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? What are some okay. of the prevalent ingredients that goes into the concoction we call a poem? Some of the main ingredients myself I believe mm-hmm. would be um, what I find the most important with it sometimes I don't even have a theme I'll just mm-hmm. start writing so just to kind of put some words on the paper but listening to the intuition speak would be number one I think right. that when I can get my intuition talking it it like it knows what it's doing and it can work miracles to be honest with you it's like whoa <laughs> All right. so if I can get that part of myself into it, I feel like it's going to be a winner no matter what. So that's, that's one of my most important aspects. Mm-hmm. The end, I always feel is pretty important. Like, like I said, I like to go out with a bang ideally, where it's just like, whoa, you know, sort of like a stopper right there, you know, in itself, like, mm-hmm. where'd that come from? You know, that kind of thing. And then the third thing that I like to do is, like I said, I like to maintain a tradition, just like a name, like a last name. So when you pass something down to people, like um, a last name, for mm-hmm. me, it's poetry. So I like to maintain a tradition of these poets, these, these great poets that I admire and respect. And I like to keep their tradition going as in a, like a bloodline, you know what I mean? Wow. So that's how I kind of see it. So they had, actually Shakespeare is the one that gave me this idea a long time ago. I was reading Shakespeare. I just loved it. And I don't remember exactly where or what I'd seen it in, but I mm-hmm. seen something like about passing down um, like gifts, you know what I mean? Kind of like passing yeah. down stuff from generation or whatever. And when I'd seen that, it, it clicked. And I was like, I, I have to maintain the authenticity. I have to maintain some form of tradition to these people, this would be like their reverence, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. honoring mm-hmm. them even, and then maintaining it in myself. So that way I'm a bearer or an heir 
of them also. And that's kind of how I've seen it. Wow. You know, you speak with great conviction when you talk about what you just talked about. You know, but there's some people <laughs> who believe that poetry is dying. Do you agree or disagree with this statement and why? I feel that poetry is going to make a comeback. I feel it just okay. needs strong poets, and it needs people that are, you know, um, that are willing to, you know, stand up for poetry, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, it doesn't, you don't get really paid for it. You know, it's very hard to make a living. That's why I kind of went in journalism, and, and I like journalism a lot, too. But one of the things was that I really liked writing poetry, but I don't really make any money off of it. So yes. how can I kind of keep in the realm would be like being a writer also, because writers can at least get paid mm-hmm. and kind of keep me in the you know, in the flow of my mind working and writing and, you know, just kind of like ready for duty here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, please share another poem. I like hearing your work. Share another poem. <laughs> All right, let me uh, go ahead. Actually, I got just the one for you. All right. It's called, And To The Other Teach. And I wrote this actually not too long ago, like maybe a couple months ago I wrote this. Though my heart was musing, notes I couldn't sing, I listened and began counting to each lyric that it would bring. Soon I found a hymn of verse that I might beat along, one where we could just converse in this duet, this hymn, this song. I'd wait for it to stop or skip, just to keep a pace. One, two, I'd then equip my voice in its place. A drum my heart began to beat as my voice would lend its speech. Then as each would complete... To the other, would they teach? Your work is so deep. (laughs) (laughs) Do you love it? Yes, I I have to read it three or four times. (laughs) You know, I read a lot of philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, your first poem that you shared was about Ukraine. And what I'd like to know, how has your writing been during this time of a pandemic, social, political upheaval, and activism? How has your writing been? Um, well, during the COVID, during the COVID pandemic, I had more time. Okay. A lot of things were shut down, so I did devote more time um, to writing. But it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't my best work. Like it just the timing, and I think so much chaos. You know what I mean? Yes. There was so much yes. chaos. Going, so I couldn't really draw up like that real creative part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was writing and I had the time to write, but it just wasn't really like reflecting really what I could do, you know? Okay. Yes. So a lot of those poems, I mean, I did publish some back at that time, but like, you know, they weren't really probably my best. Um, since then, uh, things have kind of calmed down up until, you know, maybe the, the war with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've taken some time and I, I've been able to kind of really devote more time to it and, and to get more creative. So I feel like it's, I'm finally, you know, getting back into the rhythm of, of right. writing and, and writing how I want it to sound and how I want it to be, you know, mm-hmm. which has been pretty good. 
like even the poem that I, I wrote around Ukraine, you know, that's where we're like, amen, amen, you know, like they've been very accepting of it. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting my voice back. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. You know, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, musicians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What comes out of you? I would definitely say that would be very true. I would definitely say that there's a lot of truth behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, even if you maintain, like I said, the prophetic, right? Like the prophetic abilities from our ancient ancestors, right? From the, the poets and stuff. Then even if it's not necessarily manifested or seen quite yet, mm-hmm. chances are it can become, you know, so there's just that truth to it. And then, of course, like if you write it from your intuition, it's at minimum true feelings, at minimum true intuition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of, you know, go off of that, like with all these different, you know, variations of truth, right? You know, the mind and the voice, you know, could mm-hmm. that be true? Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I do definitely see that. And then also it could be true to yourself and true to another person, but maybe it's true in a different way than they hear mm-hmm. it their way. And like, oh, my goodness, it's, you know, relatable to me in my life because this happened and mm-hmm. then be to something to somebody else because we all have different lives and different perceptions of things. So what do you think in general makes poets different from other people? I'm keen to know. <laughs> you ever hear the word poetic genius? <laughs> no, no, right? I haven't. Talk to right. me. I've never heard that word. You haven't? Poetic There's genius? a phrase. It's called okay. poetic genius. And basically, you know, there. And I imagine there's always some truth behind things. Like I always see like phrases and I, idioms and um you know, all kinds of things, like when we're looking at it, for, I, I'm a big person who likes to read a lot of idioms and stuff too, but mm-hmm. basically um, it's it's an intelligent person, like a very, you know, a very intelligently gifted person. Um, and so, or intellectually gifted uh, with a passion of poetry. Mm-hmm. And so, and I would definitely agree with that. Like I would say some of our best for poets, you know, you got to wow. look back at Shakespeare and you got to look mm-hmm. back at Dickinson and see that they definitely had something special about them, mm-hmm. you know, and the way I see it, you know, not everybody maybe opens their eyes enough to really see it, but I mean, many people would. They'd be like, that person has something special about them, even if they don't know what it is, you know. Well, we've reached a part of the program that I've used in my personal favorite. I view it as being a mini M-I-N-I, Poetry Concert. This is an opportunity for you to share three or four poems, back-to-back, no interruptions for me. Katarina, you're on the stage. All right. The first poem that I'd like to share is going to be called The Heart-Shaped Mirror. Oh, fair mirror, what reflections have you of the ocean deep? Vainly, as I had sought to capture, while my soul-seeking eyes lay fast asleep. 
O fair mirror with revelations that you bear, here I lay idle in confession of everything you share. O sweet conscience emitting through this mirror, a host with an eerie resemblance, into that be my thoughts compare. O mirror of mine heart's glow, bearer of light and all I be, aligned to my will and cautiously so, knowledge of I to me. The second poem that I would like to share with you is going to be One-Worded Oracle. Firmly perched upon mine heart, one word echoed unbendingly. True, I said, as it must depart, its one word, worded reply almost knowingly. For the future made haste with what was already known. For this one word embraced its predictability and its only answer found. Lying in the core of my bosom, my left breast, Unyielding, unlike the heaven's abode, for it, I said, it always confessed. The very same answer that it had foreshadowed. The words then, from my own heart, transformed desiring its lie. For then when my question was found to depart, the most truthful words were then the prophecy. The next one I'd like to share is The Crow. Mournfully dark, black you are, as you sat up well so high, perfect as you imitated from afar, the image held in prophesy. The image that was held so close and dear to me was that of one that spelled what was already a known decree, a decree to which you may know as you may switch places this show that what's known was nothing more than my shadow alone. Is that the end of your performance? That is of your the reading? end of, well, the end of your <laughs> reading, yeah. Right. Okay. What do you hope readers get when they encounter your poems? You know, um, I, I, I don't know. I hope a lot of things. Sometimes okay. it doesn't bother me if I don't get, like, a lot of recognition. Like, okay. I don't really write poetry for necessarily the recognition of any of it. Right. If people see it and they like it, then, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to force it. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, um, if they appreciate it and like it, they do. If they don't, they don't. I'm not hurt or offended in any way because not everybody gets it or likes poetry, and I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, when it is appreciated, though, like I said, you know, I've had a lot of positive feedback. Like um, The Serpent of Truth, that was like my second poem I ever published, and the editor wrote me back, and he was like, this is phenomenal. You know, he was like, this is great, you know. So when I get that kind of recognition every once in a while, you know, it's like totally worth it. I'm like, oh, man, that's that's superb, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually recently had a story picked up by an editor, and they're like, wow, 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 this is great. It's number, you know, whatever story. And I'm like, 
you know, and that little bit is like, wow, that's great. Like I'm pretty pleased with myself to get that kind of feedback. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Katarina, do you think you were meant to be a poet? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to I me. Have no... Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear it. Uh, I have no doubt I was meant to be a poet. I, I feel, you know, sometimes things fall on my lap. That's what I call it. Some things I've always been kind of a natural with. Mm-hmm. And then some things are just meant to be. You know what I mean? Like they're just meant to be. And poetry was one of the things that I found the most eye-opening experiences in my life. Poetry led me to philosophy. Oh, wow. And then they kind of intertwined, yes. And because I started thinking, actually, I'll tell you, I was thinking one day, I was like, I want to write poetry, but I want it to be good. Like, I want Mm -hmm. it to be like the good stuff, really good poetry. And Mm -hmm. so I started thinking, I'm like, how does the sun rise? You know what I mean? Like, cause that sounds very poetic, right? The sun rises and stuff, but I, I wanted to understand more. Maybe I should actually look at the astronomy behind the sun rising and study how it rises and when it rises. And then I would notice like with some ancient authors, like things would be, would be literally timed. Like some of the things that Shakespeare, some of the things these poets could do, I'm telling you, it's it's so amazing. I think some of it gets overlooked, but mm-hmm. it's like they could time things down so well. And so when I started to see and understand it more, a lot of it led me over to like the philosophy side of things, because that's what you're basically doing as a philosopher. You're considering and contemplating, you know, why does the sun rise? How does it rise? You know, where did the stars fall? So you start to think about all of these. So I literally, from being just a poet, mm-hmm. I literally studied astronomy, philosophy, astrology, you know, the zodiac. I mean, I've studied, like, all sorts of things. I've studied government stuff, mm-hmm. um, John Locke. I read, you know, all these books, War and Peace, and it all stemmed from poetry. Oh, wow. Because when so, I wanted to write stuff, I wanted to know what I was writing about. Like, I didn't want to just put words on paper and hopefully right. write, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted mm-hmm. it to be actually right. Well, you said you wanted to write the good stuff. So what makes poetry good? What makes a poem good? What? The, the well, research? The person of, right. And, and like, like I understand, like uh, each person, what they define as good or bad is honestly up to themselves. Up to them. That's true. To me, what is good would be, um, I I hold myself to a higher standard, and you know some okay. of us are just like our own worst critic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I see I want to be good at something, I see you know Emily Dickinson, I see Shakespeare, I see these people are good poets. Okay. So in okay. order for me to be a good poet, I want to be able to do similarly like what they could do. You know, I don't beat myself up if I can't like really keep the tune with it. Um, but I put forth that effort. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. So like I so I what I saw was like, you know, maybe I should understand the stars. I don't want to just write about the stars and then what if that's wrong? Like what if it just, you know, isn't as accurate, isn't as right. So I would actually go study astronomy and I would study the alignment and I would, you know, and I would actually try to like understand all this stuff. So that way when I did want to turn it into a poem, Mm -hmm. it was, it was accurate. There was meaning behind what I'm saying. 
Wow. There's more meaning behind it. Yeah. What like surprises you most? What surprises you most huh? about being a poet? What surprises you most about being a poet? What's the proudest I am about being a No, no. What surprises you most? Oh, surprises me most? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when it's like extremely accurate, I guess, after okay. I read it. What does that mean? Like, Talk I, to I, me. I put, <laughs> of, I put a lot of work. Like I said, I put a lot of work into like making sure that when I, you know, like I said, I study the stars, I study astronomy yes. and all sorts yes. of this ancient stuff. So mm-hmm. sometimes when I put together a poem, I'm not really necessarily um, trying. Like I just kind of let that part of myself go. And then I just kind of work off my, um, the automatic writing, right? But mm-hmm. it seems to put it together in such a way sometimes that by the time I stop and I, I sit down and I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so freaking accurate. Like, <laughs> it's exactly, right. like, I can see it. You know what I mean? Like, I can envision mm-hmm. how that how that's very true. Like, um, I can actually give you an example of the, um, the poem well, I wrote. Actually, the Actually, I like you because you've reached the end of our poetic journey, but I was going to ask you to share one more before we go. Oh, okay. So please, yes. well, I got Perfect timing. I got just the... Okay, perfect. So this one is called The Birds Flew in Such a Motion. The birds flew in such a motion, dividing half and half, holding threads the fates had spun around the serpent's staff. Each day accounted for from the beginning unto the end, being ten and three score the length they did extend. Bound the path the goat does tread where he greets the sun. There the tail becomes the head, declaring what's been spoken. The birds flew in such a motion, uniting the earth to sky, holding threads the fates had spun, knowing the prophesy. Each day accounted for from the beginning unto the end, forming a path on which it swore to stand as I intend. Bound to the path the goat does use to carry the sun across the sky, from Pluto unto Zeus, where time and death are defied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to the audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Katerina, why do you write? <laughs> um, for just various reasons. Some people, they get it. Like, I actually had one person, I, I actually started an author page recently. Oh. And one people following me literally came out to me and they were like, I can sleep easier at night knowing that you exist. Mm. And so this wow. is the biggest compliment I've ever received in my life. Yeah. And and I could tell he, he saw one of my poems, my poems, and he's like, I literally can sleep better knowing that you exist. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it touches who it does and, you know, and if it's even just that one person, I mean, like, that's huge. You yes, know, somebody that gets it. Yes. How can people stay in touch, Katarina, with you? Um, I am on Facebook. I do have an author page. Uh, it's Katarina Bush. That's K A T R E N I A 
Bush B U S C H. All right. Wow. Wow. I'm just thinking about what you've shared tonight. Amazing. You are so impressive. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm impressed well, with everything you do. I really am. Well, uh, I love thank you how for that. Well, you really are. I mean, you know, the term, you know, is quintessential listening, poetry, online radio, da 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 But I view you as being a quintessential poet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I really do. I really I, do. I mean, just the level of you go beyond the norm, and I guess you could say the norm is relative, but just listening to you, the way that you're able to navigate from here to ancient Greece <laughs> and bring it all together, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> now, do you teach classes, I too? I love it. Do you teach workshops? I love I love Greek mythology, actually, and the reason that poem is so so important, actually, I'll tell you mm-hmm. why it's so important, because most people, there was the, um, you know, Zeus, when he was holding the birds, and he had two birds, and he sent them to the center of the earth, right? And mm-hmm. it was like this, yes. the oracle and stuff, they want to see where, where the, the center of the earth was and where it met, it was the navel, right? So the mm-hmm. stomach. Well, most people, I imagine, always think that it's hor- like a horizontal, like where, where would the birds go? Like, how did it happen? Well, then one day I was sitting there thinking, and I'm like, it's vertical. Mm. It's a vertical line. And it's where it, our mind, you see where our brain is like split into two hemispheres? Mm-hmm. Birds unite the earth, or the earth to the sky because that's where they, they fly, right? Up and down, right? right? Basically, mm-hmm. that's the motion of them. Mm-hmm. So it made sense to me. And when it made sense to me, I could see... I can see more and more answers, and I feel that it was very important to kind of put that out there um, with the way I saw it, because it was like, you know, that's where the, the cut was. That's where, you know, there's like another one in Plato, and he said that Zeus cut man in half. Right. You know, back to my question. Well, back to my question. Back to my norm to cut you off, but I've got to say this. Do you teach workshops? I, I don't. Well, I haven't yet. Um, it might be something I could do, though. I mean, I do have my page. Um, and then also I'm on the Facebook Poetry Society, and I do do mentoring there. Or mm-hmm. people can um, private message me, too, and I would be willing to do, um, you know, one-on-ones. I've done one-on-ones with whoever comes to me and asks me. Well, the, the reason I make that statement, I might have an opportunity for you. I love to it. Teach, to teach a workshop. I, I, you know, I, it's, I, it's not a done deal, of course, but I think you've got what it takes. Oh, I'm so, like, honored, honestly. It's amazing. I would love to, I would love to do it. All right. So we'll, we'll, let's see if we can make it happen. All right, then. I want to thank Katarina Bush for being here, for enlightening us with her knowledge about poetry and about life in general. Wow. This is a good one. All right, then. To the listening audience, as I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Good night, Katarina. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at 
QLPOR.com.